Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Chatting Between Takes. I am your host, Sean Benson. Uh, it's evening for me on Wednesday, and uh, we were actually going to do a podcast on Sunday with Elise Bowman. Um, Bowman, not sure how I'm say her name, but uh, she had to pack because a couple things had to happen before her trip to Guatemala and Belize. And uh, so she's going to chat with us uh, when she gets back, Star Carmela, the web series. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to work out because uh, I think as Kobe, uh, one of our guests on the show, put it, it was nice knowing you, Elise. Uh, boy, am I going to feel really bad if something does happen to her. Let's see. Travel advisories for Guatemala. There's no nationwide advisory in effect for Guatemala, but you should exercise a high degree of caution due to the violence, roadblocks, strikes, and demonstrations that occur periodically throughout the country. So, uh, yeah, exercise a high degree of caution, Elise, uh, and anybody else going to Guatemala. Belize. Belize I've been to. Belize is a lovely country. Uh, I went down there and uh, and stayed on the water and then inland and sort of camped out at a... I think it was a resort that Francis Ford Coppola owned. Um, anyways, lovely country, Belize. So I hope you make it there safely, Elise. And, uh, you know, travel's one of these things for me that uh, I was lucky enough as a kid to be, you know, taken on trips. My parents would go to Cuba a lot. We'd go to the Dominican. We'd go down to South Carolina. Uh, they weren't golfers. We'd just go stay on the beach near, like Myrtle Beach, near Hilton Head and all that stuff. And then... Uh, you know, went over to Europe as a kid and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's funny. My parents, neither of them ever made uh, six figures in their lifetime. Um, but me and my brother were really spoiled in the sense that, you know, music lessons or if we were really interested in something and even something like biking so I could have a good bike, uh, stuff that was sort of healthy and forward moving. Uh, and it was really cool. I really like that way. I kind of try and spoil myself that way these days with uh, with stuff that's nurturing. You know, we never got the latest fashions. That wasn't part of the thinking. Uh, hence the like not quote unquote rich. Um, but it's more about the the experiential stuff. So so lessons and, and, and trips and all that kind of thing. And I've tried to carry that forward, uh, you know, somewhat and definitely... Um, you know, as an adult, I've, I've trekked through the Himalayas and I spent close to a month riding horses at altitude in Ecuador. And, you know, luckily for work, I've gotten to go to some pretty cool places. I uh, just did a, a film on the Amazon last year. Never have I ever spent money on a trip and thought, eh, that wasn't really worth it. I mean, never, like never. <laughs> and by the way, one of these... Uh, a couple of these trips, I went to Tokyo for a bit and, and, and the Ecuador and the Himalayas. That was with a girlfriend and we did not have a lot of fun. We weren't getting along, but it wasn't like fighting not getting along because that would have been really, uh, you know, you kind of know that you're not getting along when you're fighting. It was just this sort of like edgy, you know, we just were not together for a reason. Uh, I'm sure she's a lovely girlfriend to someone, but uh, not for me. And... That said, we did really cool shit together, and that that triumvirate of trips that spans sort of the the 
time of our relationship together again i mean so i'm traveling with someone who i'm not getting along with we're basically on the verge of breaking up at all times i think we probably did in tokyo at some point uh when we finally broke up it was in manhattan like it was one of these things that was very much uh as long as we were active we could sort of stay together now that might seems like i'm making a case against travel but you know whatever gets you to the himalayas isn't a bad thing um it's kind of like a you know yeah whatever gets you over there is is going to be ultimately worth it and by the way these fucking trips were not cheap uh you know it's not real cheap to hook up a guide in bhutan and uh by the way bhutan is this country that sort of got really uh sort of famous because I think there was a National Geographic article that talked about how they were the country that is the happiest on the planet. They measure the country's success or failure based on gross domestic happiness. And it's really interesting because just because you measure your stuff that way doesn't mean you're actually happy. Uh, I don't know if Belizeans, uh, Belizeans, what am I talking about? No, that's, that's where Elise is. Uh, uh, Bhutanians, Bhutanians, um, what, how do you, what people of Bhutan, what do you call them? Uh, I don't know if Bhutanians were happier just because they were measuring happiness, uh, but it sure was phenomenal to go to a place that really does have Zen Buddhism 100% as its way of life. And, uh. It's sort of a religion meets philosophy, which uh, I guess all religions could be, you know, I don't know. But uh, I I do know that uh, that part of it really was uniquely uh, deep, uniquely uh, there was a grounding going on all around. And when you're up at sort of 14,000, 15,000 feet trekking over a pass, and there's this sort of hum that's either my ears or actually the mountains. Uh, and there's a monastery up there. And the people at the monastery, I mean, there's a couple. There's not a lot, the monks and, and a few, you know, caretakers. There's a real genuine sense there of a sort of, again, I don't know if, we, if it's happiness. And, and we've talked a bit about what's happy versus fun versus fulfilling. Uh, some going on there, though. Um and again, I, I wonder if the measuring it came after or someone just said, hey, we're going to make happiness the thing. And this kind of gets to me to this whole, you know, I was talking to my brother about this. Uh, we went on a ski day yesterday and this kind of ties in with a lot of what I'm, what I'm saying. So for Christmas, my brother gave me uh, some stuff for biking and uh, a, a great book, but he also gave me a voucher for a ski day. And I had been saying to Emily, my girlfriend, that uh, I just don't do stuff the way I used to. Like, I used to just go skiing or kayaking or or all this cool shit. And uh, I feel like I've kind of gotten into a cycle of acquisition. And again, I went stone broke about five years ago. So the idea that I have a bit of buying power back, uh, you know, through sort of proper, you know, budgeting... Um, it feels good, and and it's a power I want to exercise again. That said, I mean it can just go too far sometimes, and so this was one of the best gifts I could have gotten. So we're driving up, and we're talking about this kind of thing, and uh, 
the whole right-left thing that's sort of been a bit of a through line to these is the idea that even in a certain instance, if like your basic right-wing idea might make sense, I just can't ever, and again, I'm not talking political parties, I'm talking feelings. I can't ever go that way because they're always fucking wrong. And what I mean by that is, these are constructs like economy and different things that always are like, yeah, but starving kid can't have uh, food or kids in school can't have instruments anymore uh, or environment can't have proper regulation anymore. We just can't afford it or it's not good for business. And you're like, yeah, but if you remove business as a construct, air, water, uh, kid active engaged learning growing fed uh healthcare <laughs> these are right ideas these are like jesus ideas like let's take care of each other and that's the only reason why i can never now the reason why any of this matters in terms of the whole bhutan thing is when a country says you know i, I don't even know the terms gross domestic product or, or gross national product is the most important thing and when we keep getting fucking hammered like hammered with this idea that economy, 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 all of a sudden, every fucking asshole starts thinking that economy matters more than the water in the river. And uh, again, I'm not some staunch environmentalist whatsoever, but it's so easy to be perverted by this pounding of even a term. So I have to believe that in a country where, you know, your benevolent leader is going, happiness, how's our happiness today? Ah, you know, we, we dipped a little in happiness last year. Uh, and again, this is a place that is like, you know, economically, there's, I didn't see a McDonald's there or a Starbucks, you know, it's kind of doing its own thing. And, uh, you're sitting there going, wow, these people are actually kind of, I don't know what happy, but I do know that even in the time I was there, like I saw like a bunch of people crowded around while the archers, it's the national sport over there, were, were dancing and singing and firing arrows across the field for a whole afternoon. Uh, yeah, I just think that we can really be guided by the words we keep ingesting. You know, there's that really famous famous saying, uh, or famous, famous saying, a well-known saying, you know, you got a good dog and an evil dog in your yard. Which one grows? The one you feed. Obviously. But not obviously when you start going, huh, well, let's see if I, uh, you know, if I construct a world perhaps it's important to have a certain amount of evil to it's like no whichever one you feed that's the one that's going to grow so if you keep hammering economy 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 or uh recession recession whatever all these things uh it's kind of the the framework within which we're sort of subjecting ourselves and god it's late at night here i'm winding down our souls our spirits our kid right like our kid you know, for me in terms of getting healthy, uh, assuming I am, but at the very least that I wasn't and now I'm better than that, so much of that for me had to do with imagining myself as a kid. And I really recommend this to anybody who uh, wants to do something good for themselves. Imagine, and this is assuming you're not a sociopath or a pedophile, uh, I think there's only two 
uh, when you're a pedophile, you have to register what podcast you listen to. So I only have two registered pedophiles listening to the pod. Always with the pedophile joke, Sean. What? Imagine your younger self and what you would do with your five-year-old or your 10-year-old. I, I personally don't like going much older, but God, it makes me feel empowered and amazing to go while I'm at the gym and I can't like fathom running the extra five minutes just going hey imagine my five-year-old self's kind of beside me and I'm like come on buddy we can do it like you know what breathe deep have fun let's pull this one out you know let's uh let's have a good time together doing this and all of a sudden it becomes easier if not easy by the way because at a certain point, it's like, yes, I'm doing this for fun and for for free and for a reason. And uh, so, you know, a lot of times I want to go, what would I want for my five-year-old self? Um, do I want to keep hammering to that five-year-old? Well, uh, yeah, it'd be great if you could play guitar or take ballet, Sean. But uh, the economy, uh, are you, dad, you just fucking bought a Cadillac. Uh now, again, I didn't get that because, like I said off the top, uh, and obviously this stuff shapes our views, right? And this is what gets interesting to me is where are we just repeating our parents' views and where do we sort of separate from them? And that, for me, uh, has been such a great value of becoming an adult who self-parents is, you know, 50% of my parents' stuff I adore uh, obviously, I mean, I'm even talking about that travel idea. I mean, that came from them and, and the idea that instruments would be sort of provided, but you don't get the newest Jordache jeans. Does anyone remember Jordache? Um, yeah, you know, yeah. And so when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't know if the billionaire needs another yacht, but it'd be all right if uh, the school kid did get to play trumpet. Um, and that's when, that's because I think about it with myself. Would I want that? It helped me quit smoking, by the way. I used to smoke at one point I was smoking almost two packs a day. Um, but, but thinking of myself as a healthy guy and eventually when I had to look at it and go, no, you're not really that healthy. That's sort of a, again, it's one of these fake ideas you've told yourself that you're, uh, you just keep repeating, but it's not true. Um, and I've, I once came up with this idea and I think you can relate to me on this, uh, if you're listening the size of my pain is the distance between my reality and my fantasy. Kobe and I talked about this. And if I'm living in fantasy world and then I wake up to reality and it's really far apart, there's a problem and it's going to hurt. And I'm going to try and bridge that gap by maintaining the fantasy. Uh, usually. Uh, there's always a healthy amount of that, I thought. And I think that's that thing we talked about with frustration. Where a little bit of frustration is pretty good, you know. It, it, it gets you up and out of bed in the morning. By the way, speaking of, have not shed a pound. Dudes, ladies, talk to me here. Write me. Blow me up on Facebook. Um, except for you, Sensei, because I know your answer. And uh, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it middle-aged man no i really uh i've been working out like crazy i've been paring down the calories now i f i actually feel like i look good uh you know definitely more than i want i'm I, like i said i'm doing this uh, a number of shirt off scenes for my my next acting project and uh 
Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, I, I feel like what often happens is, you know, like gaining weight, it's sort of, you know, stick at a certain weight, eat a bunch of crap, feel like I'm getting away with it, keep eating crap, and then one day, it's like that Simpsons thing where the, 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 the button just goes doink, and then boom, like up 10 pounds. It's like out of the blue. The good thing is though, I feel like it goes the other way. I feel like it comes back around, and uh, y- you can sort of regain it. Uh, where not, no progress, no progress, and then boom, just kind of ripped and fit one day. The long and the short of it is we're setting up the bike tonight after we're done here in the basement, and uh, all bets are off. Do you think the uh, subway cookie I had 30 minutes ago is really going to help that? Um, anyways, I don't, I don't want to go on and on about this left, right, this and that. I just want to say that if all we keep talking about is happiness, we're probably going to start looking at things in terms of how we can generate that for one another uh and if all we're looking at is uh you know fucking people who are legislating things that they aren't even beholden to talking about economy uh then we're gonna start you know and and the reason i keep going to that parental stuff is because in a way these leaders are like parental figures right and when we vote it's like we're all playing out these fucked up dynamics of uh, power, you know, our, our parents were our first gods, what they said we believed and what they exhaled we breathed in and, and that kind of thing. And so uh, there's no way we're not looking at all these sort of authority figures as uh, as being versions of that. So if we don't have a healthy relationship with ourselves, like that child in us that we are self-parenting till ultimately there's no difference and, and it's just us, period, unified, uh, you know, breaking those habits, um, then, uh, you know, we're just going to keep replicating these these votes and we're going to probably keep voting in people who oppress us. What? Fuck, this got deep fast. Um, Elise Bowman, I hope you're safe in Guatemala and Belize. So uh, I can't not talk about this, but I don't have anything to say about this, much like <laughs> everything I talk about on the podcast. Uh, ISIS fucking guy in a cage being burnt to death again i didn't watch this video can't watch it won't watch it i did watch the video of the uh gentleman who self-immolated uh to protest the vietnam war i want to look up his name vietnam war immolation monk uh essentially the monk burnt himself to protest uh quang duck I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. I'm not. I'm not doing that on purpose. Uh, and you know, apparently, a gentleman in Egypt. I wish I fucking knew more about the world. Um, I bought. I, I subscribed to the Toronto Star. This kid came around. Really, uh, really nice kid. Probably 15, and he's like, you know, uh, we're we're doing this thing for school, and we we get money toward a scholarship uh, from the Toronto Star if we can get subscriptions. And you can cancel at any time. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of it is that I want to be a guy who reads the paper in the morning, who makes a coffee on the French press and uh, burr grinder and sits there with the paper on the lap. I'm just not that guy. I have, (laughs) if you look at our porch right now, (laughs) we're this bizarre version of like uh, meth heads because the porch has just all these rolled up newspapers on it 
So it's almost like there's a, you know, old rusted Camaro or bathtub, but it's a bunch of Toronto stars that have not been opened. So I'm, I'm worried that we're going to get robbed while we're in the house because any robber worth their salt would go, well, there's 38 Toronto stars piled on the front stoop. Obviously, no one's been home in a month. So let's crack a window open. Meanwhile, we're just sitting in there in the house going, what's going on? And if I were a robber, I'd be like, dude, you can't pull this shit. You have like robber bait on your front porch. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to cancel that. It's just I keep trying to be the kind of guy who, you know, smokes a pipe and reads a paper. Uh, Ooh, smoking a pipe. Maybe that's why I'm not reading the paper because I don't have a pipe uh, I'm actively working on. Maybe I'll just cancel the subscription. But uh, in any case, this is why I never know anybody's name. I, there, I have this like vague awareness of of dates and things and times. Uh, but in any case, this this fella Tikkwang Duck, and then also the uh, you know Arab Spring. A lot of it was uh, sort of kickstarted by a guy who felt that he couldn't make a living because basically to run his street business, I think it was in Egypt. Um, Again, I'm going to look this up while we're talking. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe it's Mohammed Bouazizi. In any case, um, yes, it is. Couldn't make a living because he just kept being shaken down. So at every level of politics, oh, you want your license for your street thing? Shaken down. You want, you know, um, you want to pay your taxes? Sorry, you got to pay extra. And he basically couldn't provide for his family and burnt himself and it was seen as a very bold thing, sparked a lot of copycats and, you know, ushered in some change. I don't know how effective it's been. And when I say that, I don't have an opinion. I don't actually know how effective it's been. Did watch that monk video from Vietnam, though. And uh, I don't know. I mean, when I first got on the Internet, uh, 98, 99, maybe there was a site called Gorezone. I don't know if it's still there and I don't want to know. But at the time, I really was kind of... Um, intrigued you know i was like what 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 does real gore look like and it was you know some pretty standard stuff like police files of mobsters who'd been shot but there was one guy who'd put a shotgun to his own face and 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 i think he was still alive or whatever It it was pretty rough stuff and uh and then of course all the fakes started showing up when photoshop got easier to work and and i started to grow up so i started to lose interest hence me not watching this isis video The only thing I really want to say about this is, as always, don't let fucking, uh, you know, any, it's just going to get grabbed onto politically. Uh, Be on guard, be vigilant against that shit, you know, the stuff won't benefit us. Uh, However, and this is where I get conflicted, these are real people who are deriving great joy from burning a man to death and who uh, are showing their intentions at every turn. And I'm kind of ripping off Piers Morgan here, but yeah, like what Piers said in his article was was spot on. There's no gray area as to who these people are. Uh, and for me, there's no gray area that there's more of these people in the world uh, than, than we might think. You know, uh, it's... It's just horrid to think that in Toronto tonight, somebody's being stabbed right now. And in, you know, some country that's not just a hotbed of terror, somebody's being mutilated. And I don't say that to instill fear or anything. 
but it's actually true. And again, that to me has to do with the fantasy reality thing, like knowing that's true and knowing that that's somehow a bizarre part of human nature, whether it's like disenfranchisement, which can make a kid become a neo-Nazi real easily, or whether it's, you know, you saw your fucking whoever get blown up by a drone that missed. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know because uh, I've never had a tendency to that kind of group. So I can't even speak to it. But much like we were talking about with mental health, um, you know, on the Bell Let's Talk Day, uh, you know, I kind of threw out the idea that you can't really deal with insanity sanely. Uh, you know, you don't just get to say to someone who's insane, including, by the way, myself when I've been insane, oh, yeah, you're just not thinking about it right. Or yelling at it, going, why don't, why don't you get this? Well, the thing you're yelling at doesn't get it you know, and, uh, negotiations and all this kind of stuff. Again, nothing specific here. I really, like I say, with all this stuff, I can't process it. You know, I can't process it. What the fuck do you do with something like that? But for me, the thing I like to do is just go, well, I don't know what I do with it, but that's a real thing. Just got to be aware of that. That's a real thing on our planet actually happening. And, uh, Whatever justification someone wants to provide for that, I, I'm not sure there is one. So, uh, so again, let's get away from construct and right left and just go. Yeah, there's there's bad people, and this for me goes back to the whole capital punishment idea, which is like, what are we gonna do? Are, are we gonna rehab those guys? Are we gonna uh, you know sit them down and give them some therapy? Like beyond the point of that being anything anybody involved with that and then you might go well that's eye for an eye that's perpetuation uh don't hold on to hate in your heart quote me some mlk or gandhi and i'm like yeah but again to me that's like applying reason to insanity and i just don't think that's gonna work you know your macintosh computer functions a certain way you spill water on it it's done it no longer functions that way and uh, you don't get to keep doing the thing that should work to make it work. You got to fix it or chuck it. <laughs> and uh, if it can't be fixed, like apparently most Macs when you spill water on them, or at least not cost effectively, you chuck it. Now, are human lives to be weighed in terms of cost effectiveness? Uh, I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, I, I don't think that should ever be a consideration. Uh, but are they to be weighed in terms of like they'll fucking kill you maybe and obviously i'm not talking about muslims or islam whatsoever i don't have a horse in that fight that's the phrase right i don't have a horse in the fight and uh you know half the time i want to agree with bill maher because i want to agree with bill maher the thing is i don't know enough to agree with bill maher and that's something you know all joking aside about the toronto star i think i'm pretty well read i think i'm pretty aware of what's going on in the world but there's a limit. And at that limit, what I don't want to do is just go fill in the gaps with somebody else's ire or rage. And my brother and I were talking about this as well. Like, I don't know what it's like to be anybody else. So I got to be real careful about grabbing onto someone else's thing. In Like, you know, even if it sounds real attractive, like I'd love to just, I'd love to believe what Bill Maher believes. And just go say it. Because boy, would that feel good. It's almost like the tobogganing thing. Like, all I wanted to say is this fucking dad's a, 
idiot and we should all be able to allow it to be toboggan and it's like well maybe you know maybe and this is where you know again we're talking about this idea where my brother and i about like we just got born into a family so did you we didn't pick it and i'm not talking about some spiritual you chose your parents no i didn't (laughs) i just kind of showed up uh and uh and you know by the way regarding that um i think we talked about this but it i think triage is important like deal with what's in front of me not uh use concepts to abdicate dealing with what's in front of me. So if I have crappy relationships all the time and I go, well, I think there's an ancestral message I'm being sent that, uh, you know, when I chose my parents, uh, my my natal, it's like, yeah, I bet it's a, I bet it's more about today. I bet there's something you're doing today, period that is furthering this and looking at the 12,400 year cycles of things probably isn't the answer i bet you it isn't or if it is it's like way down the list how's he going to tie it to speeding tickets today it's like speeding tickets they're so far down the list of things we actually need to worry about in a world where people are being burned to death that uh, it's a waste of resources till we solve the other stuff till there's no murders and then the the, the argument you get is well you know uh, that's a different division not everyone can be uh, you know on murders and you're like why not <laughs> you know why not put more people on murders than speeding and then if speeding deaths start to approximate murders once murders are solved then we go okay cool we're gonna start shifting resources back you know what i mean like how many murders now again somebody's gonna go well there's more deaths from traffic accidents than murders let's say i'd like to look that one up you know the the thing about this podcast by the way it is free uh it always will be Uh, I don't have any sponsors currently, although the way the listenership is growing, that'll probably happen. But the best thing you can do if you dig it is share it. Let some friends know. Um, But what I don't have, and the reason I mentioned that that, that whole thing is I don't have the assistant to look this up. Um, Traffic deaths, Ontario, 2014. Let's see what we get. Ontario Provincial Police. Oh, this is going to be hard to look up. Oh, well, uh, a total of 78 persons died in distracted driving-related and 44 speed-related deaths. Okay, well, uh, I won't get enough statistical information while you guys are on the line here to bother, but uh, the thing to to me is murder's volitional, and we should train people to be better drivers and then go put cops on that. So until we've solved people sort of like burning other people to death, then... uh, that there's a lot of energy that I can't really spend, uh, you know, worried about the other. Got a question here, my friends. Dennis Alexander Nicholson. Um, Dennis is a sound man in town who did a movie called Sex After Kids that did really well. And when I went and saw the movie, I was preparing to shoot Barn Wedding. And I watched this independent film and thought, that's as good sound as I've ever heard in an indie 
and any feature if it's a studio feature. So I called the director and I said, hey, who was your sound team? He goes, it was Dennis Alexander Nicholson, and uh, we didn't have to ADR one line. And for those of you who don't know, ADR is additional dialogue recording. So when, uh, you know, you shoot a scene in the rain, uh, it's really tough to get clean dialogue sometimes. So they'll add the rain sound after or use the real rain sound from the day, but add the dialogue after. And it's a way to just make sure you, you hear the story properly. It's so important, I cannot stress to you. I would rather shoot a movie... Well, Blair Witch did it, right? I mean, you've got this shaky, you can barely see what's going on, but the sound's good. And uh, so we adjust, and we basically go, okay, uh, I buy that. Whereas if you have really good picture, but your sound is kind of muffled, and as you go from one take to another, it doesn't match, like one uh, edit, like one character, I, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. So, called Dennis. We got along. He came on board the film. And guess what? We didn't have to ADR a single fucking line of Barn Wedding. Which, uh, to any of you actors listening, you know what I'm talking about. It, you know, on the day when you're in the scene, there's so much happening emotionally and physically and you're running down a hall and you're screaming or or it's very subtle which is sometimes even harder to replicate later in a sound booth uh and you know just all kind of works and everybody's happy and you got it and then later they they hear a bump or or the mic cut out for a sec. Usually that's not the case. Usually, you know, the producer's watching and going, oh, we, we need to drop that line in a little better. And by the way, not a bad thing in that it is a chance to improve upon your work. Problem is, rarely can you really find that thing again because that thing's about more than just how my voice sounds. Now, to the to the sort of civilian, you probably wouldn't notice. Um, but to the actor... Well, fuck, I, I never don't notice an 80-yard line. So Dennis is one of the best in the biz. He's fucking young. He directs his own shit, and he's just an awesome guy. We just got to do another movie together, and I was so pleased when I saw his name or he saw mine on the call sheet. Dennis has a question. Wow, this is going to be a hard one. If you had $20 million on your lap to make a movie, what kind of movie would it be? Who would be in it? And it's not a grant, so I don't have to worry about paying it back. Oh, this is awesome. Uh, how do you how do you answer this in one question? So 20 million bucks is actually pretty good for a movie. I mean, you know, stuff can escalate, but I did a movie in France. Uh, it was 30 million bucks, 20 to 30, had two huge French stars in it, one up and comer and myself. Um, and and then, you know, but the scenes were massive. It's called Popular, by the way. You should you should watch it. It's on Netflix in Canada or the States. And uh, you should watch it independent of me being in it because, A, I don't get back in. So uh, you, you're not funding me. Uh, it's an excellent film. I wouldn't waste your time with it if it weren't. Uh, lovely. Huge film. Scenes of New York competitions and hundreds of extras. So 20 million is a great number. I'll say this. If I'm making a movie... The person in the world who I'd most like to direct right now would just have to be De Niro. And it's because he's older and it's because he's not going to do a lot more, I'm sure. Uh, and so it doesn't have to, you know, fuck, if I could get him on board with a, on a road trip movie uh, and I'd be in the film, uh, I don't even have to be the other male lead. But I'd really want to do that road trip movie 
So road trip movie with De Niro. What kind of movie? Road trip. Who'd be in it? De Niro. Uh, I would also have to... I'd have to put Helen Mirren in it. I think she's one of the best actresses who's ever lived. Uh, And then, honestly, I'd want to populate the rest with the kind of people we worked with, Dennis. Like, you know them, I know them. Uh, Our team, like this group. Um, Because the one thing I don't have, other than like those two I just mentioned, is a whole ton of worship of others, if you know what I mean. The people I know are so fucking talented in this city. Uh, it's insane. Um, so of course some people would come up for the, for the mid-level roles or, or the whatevers, but, uh, yeah, De Niro and Helen Mirren playing my parents road trip movie done. Okay. Anna Alec. Anna is uh, a phenomenal actress as well. And, uh, one of my girlfriend's best friends and, um, Anna's written in and said, if you could get away with any crime, <laughs> what would it be? Oh, shit. Great question. Um, You know, for me, I don't have any... I used to, by the way, bear some real grudges. Like, there's, like, guys who would pick on me in high school. And one night, I found out a guy named Mark Booker put a rock through my parents' window. And uh, I didn't have the wherewithal to confront anybody. And by the way, he tried to fight me once at a party, and uh, I remember once he sucker punched me, and it like it didn't hurt, you know. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. Like, you know, if you sucker punch someone, break their fucking nose or or knock their teeth out. It was just this kind of awkward hit, kind of grazed my head. And then he's like, "You want to fight?" And I was like, "I, I don't." Uh, but that caused rage in me for a while, and uh, I'm sure if you'd asked me at 25 and I'd have been honest, it would have been like, "Kill him." Uh, I, I don't know, you know, life passes and, uh, Mark Booker, I don't think he probably had it real easy as a kid. Uh, and having delved into some of the harder aspects of me being a kid, including, you know, just frustration, living at home with my parents and and that tension and fighting. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't even think about that guy anymore. I hope he's doing great. I really, really do. Uh, so, so I, I no longer want that to be the crime I'd get away with. For me now, it would just have to be, I think it'd be a robbery, like a jewel heist. I think it would be so fucking awesome to, uh, to really pull off like one of those Thomas Crown affair, like Pierce Brosnan version, even though I don't think it's the better movie, but the heists are more cool, you know, where you're, you're getting the jewels or getting the, uh, you know, the painting. And they always do that in the movies where they have that little uh, tool that just goes, and then it cuts the painting. uh, Like somehow it's not attached anywhere, but those four corners and then uh, roll it up, stuff it in the thing, the score. That's another one. I think they did that with the scepter. So something real uh, meticulous. Oh my God, I would want to kill someone too, but it'd be a sniper thing like an assassin, uh, you know, and, and it, you'd want it to be where you knew they were a bad person. I think I'd probably want to do the sniper thing more than the robbery. It's hard. To, uh, let's flip a coin on this one. But, uh, yeah, we're going to assume it's bad people. It'd be pretty cool to have to pull. I mean, the the work that would go into that, and I think I'm a pretty smart guy, so I think I could probably pull off a good... Uh, 
sniper routine. Um, I'm going with sniper. I'm going with sniper over uh, killing a high school foe or uh, or robbing somebody of uh, you know a museum of diamonds. Definite sniper hit. Uh, what's the movie? Electra, is it? Is that the one with uh, Electra, Jennifer Garner? Yeah, Electra, Jennifer, not Electra, Jennifer Lawrence. That's porno. Electra, Jennifer Garner. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. And in, in, while we're at it, Anna, maybe you could be part of this League of Assassins. Uh, you know, you got that good hair. That big, that, that hair would be good with like... Um, some kind of superhero female outfit and uh i could teach you how to do sword work like the real cutting you know the japanese sword stuff that could be your thing i'll do the sniper with the long range weapons and uh carlos hathcock i'll pull off some of his stuff um greatest sniper of all time people carlos hathcock 93 confirmed kills what are you going to do with that? One shot, one kill. If you haven't read One Shot, One Kill, what a book. It's a phenomenal book. You know, uh, I know Bill listens, Bill Hornbrook. I know a few Vietnam veterans. And uh, I'm really glad I've never been to war. I'd never enlist. Um, but there's always this inherent part of me that thinks I, in another life, should have, you know, been a soldier. Of some of some sort, you know, I I did the Coast Guard thing with the boats, and uh, I like the martial arts and the swords, and would also I think be great at flying planes. I just think there's something, you know, Otto, Otto, John Williamson, Bill. I'm talking to you here. He always used to say, "Man, oh, I got to go out and fire off five hundred thousand dollars worth of ordnance every goddamn day. Best time of my life." Now, uh, I don't think Otto was the most normal guy I've ever met. But I get what he's saying. You know, you're just, it's like a fucking summer camp. I mean, I'm sure it isn't. I know it isn't. And I'm sure somebody's listening who served and is like, you're a fucking dick, dude. And I'm, I'm sure you're right. I really am. Uh, I'm only going, you know, off of that one guy's stuff. Because uh, another fellow I did a play with, uh, I, I won't mention his name, but he, some of you may know him. He, he's, he enlisted actually. He was a Canadian who went down in, I think, 64 and enlisted. He was, he was pretty affected by, you know, the stuff he saw. He, he, he said he'll never speak of again. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it scarred him by his own admission. And, uh, so no, not looking for that, but those sorts of things were, and I wonder if you guys experienced this where you, you, you want, God, maybe for me, it was getting off booze and drugs. And I, and I hope that's all it is. I really do that test, you know, the test that you get through. So at least thus far in my life, that was it for me. I could have died many nights, like many, 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 many nights and uh, didn't and got through it. And it's not as sort of fun or as glorious as I like to make it out to be. Uh, it really isn't. And so maybe that's it. Maybe maybe I have been to war in my internally and I really don't want anyone to have to go to war at all so maybe anna will just keep it to uh to cool superhero type stuff and uh let's see what what could m do butterfly knife M, I think you'd be good with the butterfly knife if you guys are listening um i'm gonna wind it up here you know i got a lot of work to do tonight i'm shooting a film tomorrow gotta prepare for that and uh 
But again, I just want to stress, you know, we're really so many more listeners every week. I can't even get over it. We're, we're, we're over a couple hundred now. And uh, this for me is just such a joy and that you're listening is such a joy. Um, we're going to actually do some podcasts. I'm going down to L.A. next. We'll do one more before next Tuesday. But then I'm going to bring the mic down and uh, do some stuff down there. Maybe do a car cast from Mulholland and uh, interview some people there who we don't have access to in Toronto. Some friends of mine who are actors down there. Uh, and not even just actors, by the way. This Friday, Peter Andrew Lustig is going to come. And he's going to be my first non-actor podcast, which is awesome. Because just because it's chatting between takes... Uh, I don't want this just to be actors. I want it to be people who, you know, just whatever, people, people. Peter's awesome. Peter's one of the best photographers in Canada, if not the world. Go to peterandrew.ca. Um, I want to double check that so I don't send you to the wrong website. Peterandrew.ca. And uh, I met him when I was working at a print shop. Yeah, peterandrew.ca. Look at his work. The thing about Peter... Uh, he's my studio partner. He DP'd the film, Barn Wedding. And the one thing Peter and I have in common is, you know, Peter's highly successful as a photographer. And if next week, for some reason, he had to dig a ditch to get himself over the bridge from here till the next thing that matters to him, he'd do it. He wouldn't go, oh, and then wonder why things weren't going the way they were supposed to go. It's this thing that I really appreciate, which is this, he's got this practical ballsy approach to things. So I want to dig into that with him. Uh, plus he's a fucking blast. Uh, I love talented people who don't take themselves too seriously. Take the work seriously. Don't take yourself seriously. Or is it the other way around? I can't remember which. I'm going to make a little tea winder down. Thanks for sitting with me, folks. And um, Elise Bowman, make it home safe. That's chatting between takes. And that's a wrap.